for this time. Luke chapter 10. So the operation team of our life groups will um, do the usual thing and, and organize us in such a way that in each of uh, wherever our life groups are belonging as into regions, we will have days assigned so that each of the days there's a specific group, a set of life groups that are actually praying. But you're not praying on your own. You're joining together with your other brothers and sisters all across the country. We received images, and it was very amazing, images of, of uh, our congregations around the country gathered, looking at screens, but some who don't have access to screens listened on radio. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Uh, Luke chapter 10. We read from verse number one. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others. 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 That's an important word for this year. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's about others out there. That's what the harvest is about. Somebody shout hallelujah. hallelujah. He appointed 72 others, which means that there were people earlier on on whom the focus was, but the season had changed. 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. He told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. His harvest field. Did you hear that? Into his harvest field. Then he says, go. I am sending you out like lambs among wolves. The Lord had blessing to the reading of his word. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the opportunity that we have to deliver your message. I ask that you will help dilate these thoughts because they are yours. So your people can grasp them. So we all can move into your harvest and do what we are called to do. We pray, Lord, that as you launch us out this year, at this time of takeoff, you will allow and enable many of your people to take off from their worries, to take off from their depression, to take off from their self-centered um, approaches, to take off from their narrowness, to take off, oh God, um, 
from the things that have held them down, hindrances, things that have caused us, Lord, not to do what you want us to do. We're ready to take off. Enable us to take off from these things into your harvest, into this new territory, into this new frontier, into this new area where you are concerned. And your word says here, Lord, you sent them into the places where you were about to. You are about to do some things in this country. You are about to do some things in chosen communities, Lord. We ask that as you have chosen those communities, you will send us there and we will be ready to do your work. And so help us today as we lay the foundation so we can capture the vision of heaven. In Jesus' holy name we pray with thanksgiving. Amen. You may kindly be seated. Community transformation, a call to harvest. I trust you have the material. Excellent. All right. Praise God. Luke chapter 10, as you are very much aware, is not a new passage. But it is a unique record that we must examine afresh in this new year. It bears the record of the appointment of a group of people that are known as the 72. There are some versions that say the 70. No problem with that. Because all that it requires is for us to understand that this was a group different from the regular ones that we know who are the 12. So the appointment of the 72, take note, is recorded only here. Recorded only here in the book of Luke. Nowhere else. The instructions that the Lord gave, however, are not completely new because these instructions were given to the, uh, to the 12 as well. But what is unique about what's happening here is that they are these others, the 72 that the Lord was now giving instructions to. And although these instructions are similar, like I have said, and you do find them in places like Matthew chapter 9, from um, verse 37 to 39, you will find these instructions. And that is the place, if you remember, where Jesus eventually said that um, as he looked at the crowds, they were actually uh, harassed and they were like sheep without a shepherd. But right there, he gave them these similar instructions about going out and that the harvest is uh, plenteous, but the laborers are few. And then he gave them a few extra instructions. So the instructions in themselves are not completely new. So, with that in mind, I need to ask a question. 
what is the difference then between the record in Luke 10 and what is recorded in the other Gospels? I want you to take note of this because this is probably the most critical shift that must take place in our lives this year as it was the most critical shift that needed to take place in the minds especially of the 12 and the life of God's people at that time. Let's keep rolling. Let's keep rolling. The appointment of the 72 signifies what needs to be identified as the broadening of the mission at this time to include the Gentiles. Up until now, when the 12 disciples were being chosen and being sent out, the focus was Israel. It was narrow, but it was for a purpose. Focus was Israel. Very narrow, but it was for a purpose. But here in Luke 10, there is a shift. The Lord helps them to understand this is not just about the 12, but there is other work to be done. There are others to do the work. That the mission is not narrow. The mission is broader. What is found here in Luke chapter 10 reflects back historically to what is recorded in Genesis 10. In Genesis 10, we have the record of what is known the table of the nations, where those that descended eventually from the three sons of Noah, Shem, Japheth. And when you look at the Shemites, the Jephthites, and the Hamites, coming from Ham, the nations we have today all came through that threesome, if you will. So you can go very deep and you can actually look at how the distribution all around the world eventually went. You can go out into history. That's not the issue for now. And some people, unfortunately, have taken those things and gone into all kinds of theories that uh, don't really carry much. For instance, when some people look at, at the fact that we, largely, the Dhaka people, came from, from Ham, from a line of Ham, and there's, there's always this arrangement where people are thinking that we, we then were meant and designed for being downtrodden and for slavery, not at all. All are equal in the sight of God. So don't buy those theories. But there was a plan. There were different parts. And yes, we as a people, particularly those of us here in Africa, have gone through so much pain and trouble. But I must tell you, beloved, that pain and trouble doesn't mean that God has neglected Africa or has forgotten about you. Our time is now. And I have come to announce that the shift that the world and the nations were waiting for has actually happened. 
happened because over this century there has been a major shift of focus in terms of the mission agenda and what God is doing now is happening in Africa, Asia and Latin America. It is Africa's time. We thank God for the days when our brothers and sisters from the Europe's and the Americas came and sacrificed and they spent their time and money under difficult circumstances to try and deliver the word of God. Even though some very narrow historians have tried to impute unrighteousness into this great work that the missionary uh, missionaries came to do, they've tried to say they came with the Bible in one hand and colonization in the other. That's not the issue. We know that we've had some unfortunate incidences where those that may have been ministering maybe we're connected to things that became identified as um, uh, atrocious or oppressions of the people. That's not the rule. That's the exception. The reality is that these people came and spent their lives, lost their lives, and they had in their heart this same commission I am talking about. It was their time then. It is Africa's time now. They did their part, but it is Africa's time now. We must now take the gospel to the nations, back to Europe and the Americas, where churches are facing many challenges. So the reflection of the nations, the table of the 10, the, the, the reflection of the nations in Genesis 10 is actually found here in the selection of the 70 or the 72. That's the mirror. Every other instance in the gospel is focused on Israel. Here, there's a turn to the Gentiles. And in God's greater plan, his son came and died not just for the elect. He died for all. Somebody shout hallelujah. Praise God. So, Keeping this in mind, I want us to answer another question. So what could be the Lord's message here? What could be the Lord's message here? The Lord's message is threefold. And then I'll begin to make applications. The Lord's message is threefold from what I've just narrated. Number one, God is saying, broaden your scope. See, these 12 wonderful servants of the Lord, unfortunately, at some point, began to run with a tunnel vision. While God's calling upon them, and when he set them out by the mountain, he made very clear, was made very clear, and he made it very clear to them, Go, he says, into all the world. Preach the gospel. But somehow in practicality, for a while, they had tunneled. Tunneled. That's the reason why. That's the reason why in Acts chapter 1, when they are gathering and Jesus has those instances of meeting with them, in Acts 1.8, you see the words of Jesus there. 
him telling them to tarry in Jerusalem until they would be endued with power and that they would be witnesses beginning in Jerusalem onto Samaria, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the world. They were to broaden their scope. That's the Lord's message. And I say to you, North Mid Assembly, broaden your scope. Lift the lid. This is not about us and our little community here. We are fashioned for the nations. Oh, come on, somebody. We are fashioned for the nations. And when you're fashioned for the nations, you do not mind these little things. We must move away from trivialities. We have no time for gossip, for squabbling. We have no time for what's not happening in your life. When something is not happening in your life, get up, repent, get something to start happening. I have often said, those people keep, keep saying, those people keep saying, you know, nothing is happening here. Nothing is happening here. I have said already, you are the one that's not happening. You are the one that's not happening. Nothing is happening here. Let me go somewhere where something is happening. Oh, say, oh, say, oh, say, oh, say. You must start to happen. Lift the lead. Broaden your scope. Too much focus on me, 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 me. I don't like what I don't. I don't. I don't. Get up. Get a life. Get a life. Get a life. Why should everything please you? Why should everything be to your liking? Who are you? Come on, who are you? What do you own? Oh, I have three big houses. Ah, okay, thanks. So what? Ah, I give, ah, okay, so what? So do I. Broaden your scope, child of God. This is no ordinary time. The Lord of the harvest is in the house. Broaden your scope. That's the Lord's message. Do not look inside only. Look outside your circle. That's the message of the Lord in Luke 10. Start happening. Something must work out in you for you to know that this is time for community transformation and it is a call to harvest. Get out of your comfort zone. So those three things the Lord is saying in Luke 10. Those three things the Lord is saying in Luke 10. Have you heard him?
What is the Lord saying? Number one. NASA just released the largest of telescopes in history. I didn't watch the news yesterday, so I don't know whether it has now started opening up. They said the last two, three days were going to be the most critical because this is the the telescope like none ever made before. And they were saying now that it was about to locate. It was supposed to now start opening up and it's got big mirrors. It's supposed to bring images to earth that have never been seen before. Broaden your scope. I said broaden your scope. Do not look on the inside only. Look outside your circle. Get out of your comfort zone. What else is the Lord saying? Let me begin the application. You recall that on the cross overnight, I delivered a word from the Lord indicating that it is take-off time. And I gave the image of an airplane, a vessel that's been fashioned and designed by the aeronautical designers to carry people. And of course, some of these airplanes are cargo airplanes, so they carry things. But the passenger jets are designed to carry people. So when a 747 is loaded and the doors are shut and it begins its run on the runway, I explained how the air that's ahead of it is in fact not a barrier, but an enabler. Oh, somebody shout hallelujah. And I want to tell you today that it does not matter what is ahead of us in this year. Anything that's contrary to God's mission is your enabler. He will not hold you down. Oh, come on, somebody. So the air that's in front of that jet, based on the design of its front there, splits. I explained that already. The air splits. Some of the air goes up above that vessel. That air helps to reduce the tension and the pressure up. Then most of that air goes beneath. The air that goes beneath helps to increase the pressure, which becomes a a lift, a lift. May God give you a lift. And even if it's COVID coming your way, it shall split apart because God is on the throne. COVID or no COVID, we will manage to do his work. It is takeoff time. I said it is takeoff time. And in Joshua chapter 3, verse 1 to 5, the people were told, prepare yourselves for tomorrow the Lord will do miracles. And then they were told, because you have never been this way before. On the cross of a night, we talked about two things that we need to do. We need to shift and then engage. When you look at that airplane, as it's going up, the dynamics are so unique. 
That air pressure is not just working from underneath there. If it has wings, those flaps, some of the air then is passing under there. And it, the thing is continuing to be lifted. It runs, it gathers that momentum in a split of, um, of seconds, in splits of seconds from zero to like 285 or 90 kilometers within that short space and it's taking off. God has you on the runway. I hope you can see your runway. I hope you can identify your runway. For some of you, your runway is that workplace where you are. Some of you young people, the runway God has given you is this great acceptance, this great acceptance, Luana, into a university, way away from home. God has a plan for you, young man. And he wants you to be able to know that out there, you can do great things. Now, I don't have my mask. Let me run back. For God for a while. What's your runway? Your runway may be that fresh business God has given to you. Your runway may be that home God has placed you in with two or three teenagers, one of whom is extremely troublesome and you're giving up on them. God has set a runway. Love that young man. Love that young man. You just have to love him. No matter how hard he has been and how tough it has been for you, love him. It's your runway, mother. It's your runway. It's your runway. And God will transform that young man one of these days. But before that day comes, stay on that runway. Pressure is building. But Joshua and the people were taught to shift. The moment they were to see the ark, they were to shift. Just like these 72 here were part of that shift. And the 12 were to know that now it was time to shift. It says, move away from your locations. Sometimes we are too keyed on a self-made religion, little principles here. This one just does a little something. You're like this, this delicate thing that's annoyed by everything. That's not life. You can't have everything annoying you. I said, get a life. Get some skin on you. You can't have everything annoying you. Because I said, who are you? We're beginning to wonder, who are you? Every little thing, yeah, yeah, yeah. What's going on? Shift. I said shift. Tell your neighbor, shift. Move from your locations. Move from your locations. And this is where we carry a message, especially for some of those who are engaged in public life. When a new year like this begins after a gruesome electioneering period that was held between July and August, and there were insults, there were enmities, there were all kinds of things done. 
into this new year, our political leaders must put the hatchet, bury the hatchet, and see that there is an opportunity to build Zambia afresh, regardless of your political affiliations. Please do not subject Zambia to your narrow agenda of your little party and to think that everyone of us must agree with you. If you failed somewhere, learn some lesson, get up and begin to show that you truly want to lead Zambia. Oh, come on, somebody. We can't be, be subjected to your little headlines of your insults. And you insulted each other in July. You want us to read those insults in January? No. To Akana. To Akana. Shift. You are our leaders. Shift from those locations. We've heard the thing too much. Now we want to hear. What plans do you have after your failure or after your success? This is both to ruling and opposition parties. Hallelujah. Shift from your locations. And let's engage. Thank you, Dr. Swata. I love, I love that. Hallelujah. We must shift. Is this making sense to somebody here today? Lift up one hand and shout, praise the Lord. So I want you to identify your runway today. Identify your runway. Identify your runway. Because God has blessed you in that company, has made you a teacher, has made you a doctor for a reason. He's given you a runway. And many people move off from their runway. They are this way, that way. That's how you can't progress. Stay in your lane. Mind the things that are yours. And when that plane is taking off, they're also looking out and hearing what Tower is saying, hearing, because they, they have to stay on track. Flights are normally long. And the flight is long. You will have a safe flight this year in Jesus' name. Shift and engage. That's what we said on our crossover night. Let's continue with the application. So if we shift and engage, it means that we must be looking at the community because that's what the harvest is. So remember on the 28th of um, December, when, the 28th of November, when we did our second mission Sunday for the year, I, I talked about I said I was preempting some things. I've come to those things now. I preempted some things by going to Isaiah chapter 6. Let's go there now because uh, these are things I preempted already. And we've taught on these lines before. Isaiah 6. This is a companion passage to Luke 10. In Isaiah 6, the Bible makes clear that in the year that King Uzziah died. Isaiah says, I also saw the Lord. And says he was high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. And when you read Isaiah 1 all the way up to verse number 10, you have a context there that highlights three things. And I preempted these already, so let me run over them quickly. Calling us, first of all, to look at God. 
But today, I want us to look at him as Lord of the harvest because that is what is in Luke chapter 10. This God is the Lord of the harvest. Remember the harvest is? Ah, hallelujah. So when he's sending you, Mr. Ngambi, the harvest is not just here. I trust you know that all this trekking that you do between Zambia and Jobek cannot just be about Ngambi family and Ngambi heritage because God will ask you some serious questions, Mr. Ngambi. It's got to go beyond the Ngambi family and the Ngambi heritage. You've got to be saying with every kilometer that you drive, how do I apply this to God's harvest? Because God has given you a huge runway and your runway runs from here to Jobeg. And he wants you to take off in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. So take a look at God. I want you to desire this year an encounter. And that is why, Makapindula, I'm glad that you were sensitive to the Lord in the way you led us this morning. Because we need an encounter with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. We need that encounter. The Lord of the harvest. I want you to be looking for that encounter. And you know there are many of you this year who as you have that encounter, you will not be the same again. We will actually have to look twice and say, who is this? Because you will do some amazing things this year for Jesus Christ. May that be your portion in Jesus' name. So three things struck. Uh, three things are important here in this outlook. We take a look at God, the Lord of the harvest. We take a look at ourselves. I preempted this already. We must take a look at ourselves. Where are we sitting? And how are we positioned? I've already said, get a life to get serious. Don't let everything in life frustrate you. You will be thinking of, of exiting of, of, out of this life. No, enjoy life. Enjoy life. Let the adverse things be that air that splits and propels that vessel to higher levels. Just like in the Old Testament, when the rain came down, that rain did not drown the ark. With the lifting, with the floods going up, the ark went up. Floods went up, the ark went up. May you go up in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Take a look at the lost world. This is what this is calling for. And I will apply this a little further as we go on. So Isaiah 6 is a reminder of us doing those three things. If you notice, Isaiah sees God on the throne. Next slide. He sees God on the throne. He's seated on the throne. He's high and exalted. I've already told you, that's the encounter you must be looking for. And so on a fresh Sunday like this one, there are some battles you need to forget about. There are some issues you need to forget about. Little insults that people placed on you, their prejudices, their rejection of you. Hey, leave that behind. If you are still carrying rejection, let them carry that. You have moved on. You have moved on. Because this is a new year in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. And I tell you that that encounter with God, when you see him on the throne, as one song says, Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. 
The train of his robe filled the temple. May God's presence be your portion this year in your home, in your car, in your kitchen, in the classroom, young people, young people. And let me say to you again, young people with your prowess online and on social media, I want to say to you again, stop this stuff that preoccupies you with a self-image. And, and I've said before, this Instagram thing causes you, some of you to just think you have another world in which you're existing. And you're posting pictures every half a second. And it's, it's a total totally unnecessary, totally unnecessary. And then you're looking to see how many have seen. How many. So what does that do when you see how many have seen, how many have tagged it? So what? Young people, I want you to know that God has a plan for your life. So change, use those images for Christ. Take a look at Christ. Take a look at him. Let his presence fill you. I think of the times when I as a young man, having found Jesus at age 14, was consumed, so consumed with his power. Remember, I didn't wait for a sermon to find something wrong with a little relationship I had with a young girl. The day I got saved on the 7th of, um, of uh, October, in uh, 19, what, 77. Um, I told you a story already. You know, people do these young, these people do, they do all these things. And I didn't wait for a sermon. The encounter with Jesus was so real. And I immediately realized there was no way I could entertain this little relationship I had with Besta. Don't worry, she knows the story. I didn't wait for a sermon. There was just something wrong with that relationship. So the first thing after I received Jesus was to write to her. And you know, this thing was so deep, and I've told some of you have heard this story before. It was so deep that I said to her, and I wrote it in capitals. That something has happened to me. I have found a new love in life. And this new love is Jesus. And I capitalized Jesus. I said, I'm sorry, Bester. Our relationship cannot continue. <laughs> There's a question, how did she take it? Well, I got a bombshell. <laughs> I got a bombshell because within a few days I got a bombshell back. And Bester sent a warning. Of course she took it, she knew it was fine, but she sent a warning. And that's how I discovered, as some of you have heard me say, Matthew 7, 23, 21 to 23. Not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom. That's what she sent.
So I read that thing. I said, this girl, so notorious. Ah, but my mind was made up. I had met the Savior, Jesus Christ. My mind was made up. I read Matthew 7, read it again, and have never forgotten it. Matthew 7, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. But you know what? In there, I found the answer. And I said, oh, yeah. I am actually doing the will of the Lord. I said, bye-bye, Bester. It's done. It is done. Oh, I come to say to you, there is no substitute for an encounter with Jesus Christ. There is no substitute for an encounter with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And in this year, 2022, we are calling you to come in contact with the Lord of the harvest. It is not enough for you to come to church on a Sunday like this or to find it a convenient thing to watch us online because that's a convenient thing now. And we're using COVID for an excuse to be away from the church and yet we know we can be in church safely, 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 safely. And so when people are finding excuses with every little thing and their convenience for their own lives, oh, you and I must pray that they must find that place where they can encounter the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and child of God, I wish you Jesus this year. I wish you an encounter with the Lord of the harvest. May he appear to you. 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 Nothing changes us except that encounter with him. And as a young man at age 14, my life had been touched indelibly. Things were never going to be the same again. I was hooked on marijuana and God delivered me from that bondage in the name of Jesus. And I've never been the same again. 40 years on, I love Jesus today and I love him more. And I've dedicated my life for his service. And I'm here proclaiming to you the day and the time has come. You must have an encounter with the King of Kings, the Lord of the harvest. The Lord of the harvest. His robe must fill your temple. I preempted the application the last time and I would like to go the last part shortly. But let me just review those things that I preempted already because they were meant for this time. We've reflected before on the significance of that experience by Isaiah. He not only saw the Lord, he saw the seraphs. And the seraphs, I have said before, have three lessons for us. The covering of their faces with two wings indicates humility before God. And you and I must humble ourselves before the mighty hand of God. We are guilty of over-rationalizing things, thinking everything must make, make sense first before we respond. But God doesn't work that way. Faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not yet seen. 
there must be a humility. They covered with two wings. They covered their feet. Did not what I consider to be that mission or service to God. God is about mission. There is a harvest field. There is a community that we must reach out to. Because this year is about community transformation and a call to harvest. Thirdly, they were flying. The seraphs were flying. And our reading of that is that it talks about ongoing mission or activity in proclaiming God's holiness and glory. I said something must happen to you. You must be happening. We must get busy this year. We will print tracts and make them available for you. And they're already available. So next Sunday, we'll still keep this stack over there. This is the one year in which there must be ongoing activity. When the live groups are up and running, there must be a way in which we engage in the community. This must not be a time as is often so annoyingly present in the cities where people are trotting from one church to the other. And sometimes you are feeling tempted to pull this one and say, come to my church, come to my church. When they are already born again and they're going elsewhere, stop that. It doesn't please God. There are so many souls who don't know Christ. I want us to be busy reaching out to them. This nonsensical stuff that's happening in the cities this pleases God. So people go hopping from this church to that church and according to their liking, this church and that church, we need genuine Christians that are busy sharing the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, singing songs about bringing in the sheaves, bringing in the sheaves, sowing in the morning, sowing at noontime, sowing at evening time, ongoing activity. I call you, beloved, to that activity this year in the name of Jesus. Somebody shout hallelujah. Proclaiming God's holiness and glory. What keeps us this way is when like Isaiah, we can be able to say in humility, woe is me. There is need to acknowledge our own sinfulness. That is extremely important. So as I make a transition to the last part, of the final applications here. One more thing of those things that I preempted. Access to this one on the next slide. I asked the question on the 28th of November. Why does it appear like we have lost sight of the importance of evangelism in the church? And I say it at that time, I'd like to say again, it's really because of a lack of understanding, lostness of mankind and the reality of hell. And when you read Mark 16, verse 16, it's very clear God sent us to preach the gospel. And this sign shall for them that believe. In my name, they will cast out devils. They will lay hands on the sick, and the sick shall recover. And that gospel record I was talking about, where Jesus was instructing the 12, each of those places, as he gives them instructions, he also tells them that they are to propagate the message and that they will have authority over demons and so on. That is why. 
in Luke 10, when they came back, you look at 17, 18, and 19 in Luke 10, they came back. He said, the 70 returned rejoicing. And they said, Lord, even demons were subject to us and so on. They were so glad. And Jesus said to them, do not rejoice because demons are subject to you. Because that's supposed to be the norm. But rather rejoice that your names are written in the book of life. And that is to indicate the fact that God would rather that we are more preoccupied with getting people coming into the kingdom and getting registered in the kingdom. So lack of knowledge of how to witness may be an issue. So this year, in our programs, we will make sure that we teach again afresh on how to witness. We will be commissioning leaders in a few weeks' time. It is time for work. Time for work. Hallelujah. Some of you have been reached already. Others are yet to be reached. But we'll be commissioning leaders. That's the idea. Not just to give positions, but to be able to increase the hands of those that can be able to take the work. Ah, beloved, I'm looking forward to a terrific year. Somebody lift up your hand and shout hallelujah. A terrific year. So in this ongoing application, I remember reminding you, and I say again, based on Mark 16, Verse 15, the normal Christian life is meant to be a life of witnessing with signs and wonders following. Not just for preachers. This is for believers. These signs shall follow them that believe. Not that these signs shall follow the apostles and the apostles and the prophets and so on. No, no, no. But these signs shall follow them that believe. Them that believe. It means you as a normal Christian, the normal life should be that we should be seeing you laying hands on the sick and the sick recovering. And because of how absent this has been in our lives, like I've said before, for some people, once they do something like that and a lame, walk, a lame person walking, they say, oh, I've seen a lame person walking. I've never seen that in the pulpit in the front there. So they form a ministry and walk away. No, these things are supposed to be present in your life here in the church. That's the ordinary Christian life. Somebody shout hallelujah. We're focused on cheap grace, which is when we preach a non-Christian-centered gospel, then we don't do what we're supposed to do. The preaching of forgiveness without requiring repentance has been our preoccupation. That shouldn't be. I preempted these things already uh, in the past few weeks. And I talked about the fact that we must lament that we have baptism without church discipline. This is something we must overcome. And in this year, we're believing God to help us. No time for cheap grace. Because we know that Jesus died. Um, last time I talked about this, I said there's a death that takes place when we begin to present communion without confession. Grace without the cross. Grace without Jesus Christ. The incarnation that is and the life that we know in Jesus Christ. Grace that emphasizes mercy and love at the expense of God's holiness and justice is unacceptable. We want to make sure this year that we have returned to that place of preaching that which is indicated in the scriptures. A costly venture of a God who loved the world and sent his son to die on the cross. And because he loved us, you and I can return to him and receive new life. A genuine gospel. I want us to fill the streets with that gospel. I want us to get back into those places where we are around the street corners. We will be increasing on our fleet here and, and, and uh, in terms of uh, mobility and the buses because we're launching a busing ministry this year to a great extent. 
We're getting back into the schools and making sure that young people come to Christ. The universities, the primary schools, the universities, the colleges, we're going to every place, lunch hour locations. I want to see people from the assembly putting up banners, not because we had some little program from the office, but you as a life group, just working with the office and doing a banner and going by the market in your local area and doing a road show where you're playing music. COVID will be over, don't worry. We'll get back to that place. You know they talk COVID. Did you see how full the malls were just over the weekend? Did you see? So we should be able to with permits to go by the market site and have a group there and begin to preach. Let people come. A good old-fashioned gospel. And you don't have to be a bishop. You don't have to be an apostle. I'm talking about the average Christian. You and I. This is for us today. This is what it is. It's for us. It's for everybody. So, if you ask me, what is look for about? These three things. Number one. What is Luke 10 about? Number one. This lays the ground for where we go in the next few weeks. I'm about to close. Number one. Luke 10 is a call to a new frontier, a new territory. This new frontier is called evangelism. It's called get into the community. The harvest is the community. That's the call we have this morning. Matthew 9 is very clear. Verse number 7, verse number 36, very much like Luke 10, verse 1 to 3, where that harvest is depicted and Jesus says, he looked at them and he saw that they were harassed, helpless. And that's where our world is today. And aggravated by COVID, you know that many souls out there are still ailing and injured and sorrowing. And what an opportunity for you and I to take the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. I want you to get into a new frontier. There was that uh, uh, commercial, you say, Fiakale. Uh, you remember it? Something old. You remember that commercial? We, you need to get to a place where you identify what is Fiakale. God is wanting you to do something new this year. Something new. Identify a new frontier. Remember? Runway. So, new frontier. You have a runway. What's your new frontier? What's your new territory? Ask God for that. Secondly, this is the call to broaden prayer. Ask, he says. Ask the Lord of the harvest. Asking. That's prayer. That's prayer. That's why we're beginning the year with fasting and prayer. And in the next few weeks, we'll be reintroducing that, that time of, of prayer just before the service. And so you can come in and, and we've uh, talked to someone already who's, who's getting ready with a burden to be able to do this. And, and I'm just laying, you these things, laying these things out so you can understand that this is a serious movement into something that God has called Call to broaden prayer. See, prayer can't be, Lord, give me, give me, give me, give me. Even as you start the new year, give me, uh, give me, Lord, a new house. God, give me a wife. Uh, God, give me more money. Uh, God, give me a new car. Uh, those things are fine. And God will actually give you those things. He will give you. But God wants you to have something broader. He's not just uh, 
this provider of all the little things you need. He is the Lord of the harvest. So ask, ask, ask. Tell him, Lord, I want to see what my new frontier is. And he will show you that new frontier. Somebody lift up your hand and shout hallelujah. Ask. And he says, ask for him to send workers. So pray that the Lord may send workers into the harvest field. What I have found out is that when you pray for workers, it's pretty dangerous because God sees you as a worker. So he's going to send you. But he says, ask anyway. Ask for workers. Dangerous stuff. And you'll find that before he can send someone, he's saying, it's you. It's you. And what a privilege, beloved. If God chooses you, what a privilege. Hallelujah. Lastly, this is a call to a deepened relationship with God, the Lord of the harvest. I've talked about that already. So we're summarizing. And these three lessons, I trust, will give you the foundation for where we are headed. God is calling us to a new frontier and a new territory. God is calling us to broaden prayer. And God is calling us to a deepened relationship with him. He is the Lord of the harvest. St. Teresa of Avila said, Christ has no body on earth but yours. No hands but yours. No feet but yours. You are the eyes through which the compassion of Christ looks out to the world. You are the feet with which he is to go about doing good. And you are the hands with which he is to bless others now. Beloved, welcome to 2022. Welcome to community transformation, a call to harvest. I thank you.